0: Me. Morning, everyone. Can you hear me all right? No? no? no. Aye, it's on? Oh, right. Morning, everyone. you hear me? I, b- Okay, that's great. i uh, just like to welcome you this morning to our service. And uh, especially if you're a visitor, you're very, very welcome and i hope god blesses you through what is said and done this morning um valley Cro- crock bible club starts tomorrow and it runs until friday and please remember the children and the team in your prayers for that and we'll be looking at that a wee bit later on in the service uh, the next alpha training course is scheduled for wednesday the 9th of august half past seven in the prayer or the quiet room um, we'd love to see more people involved there's all sorts of rules if you don't want to be involved in a big way there are smaller rules also but something you can be doing the um is, is praying about who you can bring pray about maybe a neighbor a friend a workmate someone that you can bring along not just invite and give an invite to but bring along to the alpha course it's not just for those who are seeking it's for those who want to develop their faith as well, and it's, it's, it's known for that. So maybe now is the time, perhaps, before we start uh, putting up the banners or handing out flyers or anything like that, but we can be praying, who, God, who, God, would you like me to bring along with me to the Alpha Course, which is on the 27th of August. It's a Wednesday night. Uh, Zoom prayer meetings continue during August and you can see the order of service for the details. Um, Communicant classes will start on Thursday the 14th of September half past seven. If you would like to become a a new communicant member of the church, please sign up for that uh, in the vestibule at the back. It's not intimidating at all. It's an informal get-together. And if you perhaps are uh, a communicant member and you would like a refresher course on what it means to come around the Lord's table please think about coming along to that uh, to those classes on starting Thursday the 14th of September at half past 7 let me just read um, a passage from the old testament as we start our service it's uh, Exodus 3 verses 1 to 5 now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And uh, Moses, you could say, is a bit of a, a scientific man, a bit of a scientific attitude. He sees this bush Nothing strange about that in the middle of a desert. It's on fire. Nothing strange about that in the middle of a desert. But he notices there's no ash. The the, the twigs are not burning up. So the scientist in him wants to find out why. Why does it not burn up? And he goes over, and uh, as he comes closer to the booth, God says, Moses, Moses, take your shoes off. Take your sandals off, because you're on holy ground. And what God is saying there to him, it's not a time to investigate Moses. It's a time to worship. You're on holy ground. And uh, it made me, when I was thinking about that, it made me think of Solomon when he dedicated his beautiful temple. We're told the glory of the Lord came down and filled the temple so full that the very priests couldn't get in to the temple. Can you imagine coming along here on a Sunday morning, and seeing the glory of God fill this place, Ballycrockel Presbyterian Church, so much that you can't get it in the door. that be amazing. But we've come here to worship, to worship Christ in the beauty of holiness this morning. Let's, let's pray a, a, a minute. Father, Lord, we pray, God, that this place may be a holy ground. We pray that this place, Ballycrockel Presbyterian Church, that your presence would not just be taught, but that it would be felt, that it would be experienced. We pray God that we might know your presence in this place, but we pray Lord that most of all that you might fill us as individuals, as vessels, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Live your life in and through us. May we be salt and light in this community. Lord, we pray that in our hearts, our hearts may be that holy place of worship and that we might meet you, God, in that place. I would pray, Father, may you be glorified this morning. May we uplift your name this morning. May we, may we delight your heart this morning as we worship in sincerity and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to stand and we're going to sing uh, quite an old hymn, but it's one very still very popular today. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Thank you. of instrumental at the end there. So I'm uh, going to ask Ben to come. Ben's going to come and he's going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 7 to 9 and verses 20 to
1: 25. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent miraculous signs and wonders, great and terrible upon Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land that he promised on oath to our forefathers. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive, as is the case today. And if we are careful to obey all the law before the Lord our God, as he has commanded us, that will be our righteousness. Amen. And we thank God for His word. Am I on? There we go. Yes. Good. Uh, good morning, everyone. It's been a while since I've been up here. And good morning, Daisy. I think you're our only child here today. It's good to see you. Hello. Good morning. Um, but. Folks, and Daisy, you might wonder, why do me and Mark, or whoever else it is, come up here on some Sunday mornings and talk to the kids directly? You know, why don't we just have the kids here and have them uh, just sitting, thinking about what's for lunch? Why do we address them? Well, the reason is because God wants us to teach our children. God wants you, boys and girls, to learn about him to know him for yourselves you see the passage i just read there israel the old testament people they were about to enter into the promised land they were about to go in to where god wanted them to go but before they did god wanted to remind them of his ways god wanted to teach them and say this is who i want you to be And so God, in chapter 6 there, reminds Moses to teach the children. He says, teach the children all those things that I commanded you. Because God wants you boys and girls to learn. And parents, grandparents, God wants our children to learn. Because after all, I'm sure, Daisy, that you want what's best from your parents and your grandparents. And parents, grandparents, I'm sure you want what's best for your children and for your grandchildren. And what is better than introducing them to the Lord Jesus himself? And you know, next week, although of course we're not the parents of the children who are coming to Ballycrocken Bible Club, there's still 20 children, many of whose names I don't know, which suggests to me they're probably unchurched, maybe don't have any church background. And what an opportunity that is for us as a team to teach them about God and his ways and introduce them to him. And then later in the reading, we saw a child ask his father, what are these commands all about? What does it mean? What's the Bible all about? And in a similar way, a lot of these unchurched kids, they'll probably have questions for us at the Ballycroc and Bible Club. They'll probably be wondering, well, who's this God and who's Jesus and this Bible you're telling us? What's it all about? And what an opportunity that is for us at the Valley Rock and Bible Club to be able to tell these children about what it's all about. And what an opportunity each Sunday to tell you, Daisy, and to tell anyone else who's here about who God is. We are so blessed to be able to do that. And ultimately, Moses pointed the people back to the Exodus when God rescued his people from Egypt. And in the same way, now in the New Testament, we point people back to Jesus. We point people back to that moment that all the whole Bible points towards and hangs on. And that is such a privilege to be able to do that. And so I would appreciate it if over the next few days, not only are you aware that the the club is happening, but we would ask for your prayers for all of us. First of all, pray that many young people can come along more than are already signed up and hear and learn pray as well that they won't just hear about God but that perhaps they could come to know him for themselves or even know him better if they already do pray for us as a team for energy for protection uh, for strength and that we would lean on God and pray as well finally for the kids parents because through those children parents might be impacted And next week, we're hoping to invite some of those parents along to our service, and so be praying that they may come and be able to know God themselves as well and join our church. That would be just amazing. And so we're now going to sing a song that we're actually going to be teaching the kids over the next few days. I'm sure you all know it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So let's stand up and sing that amazing song.
0: I just want to invite everybody who's involved on that team, we're going to pray for them now, if they'd like to come up, I'd like everybody to see who they are so that you can keep them in your prayers during the week, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this week, because I must admit, I'm a bit crazy, and I like crazy things, I like having a bit of fun, and that's what we're going to have this week, it's going to be fun, 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 and teaching them about Jesus as well, with fun times. Bye-bye, Daisy. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, sure, if everybody turns around, let's turn around and we'll... These are the folks that are, have generously given up with their time this week and have done a lot of preparation and we just really would like you to pray for them, pray for us all, pray for the children. And, uh, you know, w- we really do want to create an, em- an environment... Of, of fun, and to let people see that being a Christian and following Jesus isn't something that is making you long-faced or dar, but it's something to really, really enjoy. And so please pray for us. Pray for us, because we want to get to know the kids. We want them to get to know us. Uh, we want them to know that we love them and we care for them, as very much so God does as well. So let's, let's pray. I just want to pray for uh, our team here. Father, we thank you for everyone here in, in our team, Lord, who have, are willing to give up their time and their talents, Lord, to be able to help this week. And we just want you to be at the center. Lord, without you there, we're lost. Without you there, Lord, it's, it's just a social club. But we thank you that you are there. We thank you that you told Moses, I will certainly be with you. Thank you, God, that you told the disciples, I will be with you till the very end of the world, to the very end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit may be upon each person here, and myself as well, Lord. And Lord, that there would be a leading by you, Father, to, to, to build relationships with the children, build relationships with the parents, Lord, that we might be salt, that we might be light, that we might be a blessing, Lord, in this community. Lord, we pray, God, for this whole week, Lord, that your word would go forward, that your word would go out, and your Holy Spirit would take that word and sow it in people's hearts, deep in their hearts, in the children's hearts, in the parents' hearts. And, Lord, that you would bring that to fruition. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen, amen. Thank you, folks. Thank you. So the Bible class and the Sunday club, if they haven't already gone, they can they can go, um, and your offering will be received. Thank you. were created through you, they were created for you. You're before all things and in you all things exist. The Bible says that we should bring our tithes and offerings into your storehouse and that you will respond by opening the windows of heaven and sending down blessing upon blessing. Accept the gifts we place before you now. May the peace of God reign in our lives May the love of God surround us. May the Spirit of God empower us. And may the joy of God uphold us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So next week's going to be a bit of a different service. We're hoping that the parents and boys and girls will come, and uh, so it's going to be more like a, a family service that we normally have once a month. And it'll be a time of celebration about what God has done during the week. And uh, so, please, if you have grandparents or grandchildren, or you know, you want to bring your neighbours along, it's going to be a lighter service. Put it that way it's going to be a time of a bit of fun and uh, enjoy enjoying just hopefully having the kids here. If, uh, if the kids don't come then I just do it for you. <laughs> okay so just to let you know that it's going to be a lot lighter next week. So I'm going to invite Adrian's gonna uh, pray uh, prayer intercession.
2: morning. Jesus promised that the kingdom of God was here right now. And so as people of the kingdom, we come into God's presence to pray for the world, the church, and those whom we love. So let's pray. Our Father, forgive us that we have not respected And appreciated the gift of creation. We argue over space and resources and the strong gain power over the weak. We pray for governments to include people of compassion and integrity and courage and pray that they would make the right decisions to reverse the damage we've caused. We continue to pray for Ukraine, that the war would end soon. We pray for Afghanistan, and especially, Lord, for the women and girls who are abused and discriminated against. Please, Lord, we ask that you would change hardened hearts there. We pray for Niger following a military coup there in an already troubled region. And Lord, for all areas of the world where there's war and unrest, we pray for peacemakers. This morning we pray for your church worldwide. Forgive us when we portray a hard, judgmental, and unloving God. Forgive us when we don't love as you love, unconditionally, even our enemies. Fill us, your people, with your spirit, that we would help the lonely and needy the poor, those who've been knocked down, the marginalized. Lord Jesus, you were often with those despised by others, even the church. And you call us to be different, odd, even peculiar. Help us to embrace the vocation you have called us to. We pray for those whom we love, family and friends, this church family, Lord replace hearts of stone with warm beating hearts with love for you. We commit to you those who are ill or in need, open our eyes and even our purses and help us to notice all around us. Again, Lord, we pray for the Bible week and schism later on, we ask that your Holy Spirit would touch minds and hearts, would show your love and lead little ones and even big ones to know you as Lord. In a moment of silence, let's bring before the Lord those whom we know need his help in their lives. and finishing I want to use the words of a a well-known Bible teacher you are the God of all forgiveness by your gracious forgiveness transpose us into agents of your will that our habits and inclinations may more closely follow your majestic lead that our lives may joyously conform to your vision of a new world. And we pray it in the name of your Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you, Adrian. We're going to stand and sing Be Thou My Vision. God is here this morning, and he has a plan corporately for this church, but individually as well. God has something on his heart for each and every one of you this morning. And I wonder what his vision is for us as a body. What's his vision for me personally, for you personally? And we're asking Christ this morning to be the one that leads us in that. Be thou my vision. Let's stand. Carrying on with our our theme of parables, parables of Jesus, Uh, I'd like to read from Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13, the parable of the ten virgins. 25, 1 to 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, there may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day, or the hour. Let's pray a moment. Father, we pray that you would bring this parable to life in our hearts, that you would take it and apply it to our own hearts. Do we need, Lord, a, an encouragement to make a step forward? Do we need an encouragement? Do we need a comfort? Do we need inspired, Father? Do we need a bit of a shake? We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move within our hearts and within our our lives. Lord, move from seat to seat this morning. May people know your presence and may they know your message to them in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You know, we all love a good wedding, don't we? We do, we really do. We, we love to celebrate, a reason to celebrate, to get dressed up and enjoy a good meal. Um, some of you have probably already heard, our daughter Leah, um, she got engaged on Thursday the 20th there of July. And uh, since then, it's been all action st- stations, uh, just so many things to try and prepare. We're learning more and more about the massive amount of preparation that's needed. And uh, I was hoping during this week that by studying this parable, I might get a few tips. (laughs) But the parable is about a wedding with, you know, with what you could call five silly bridesmaids and five wise bridesmaids. Uh, Let me just set the context for you, because in the previous chapter, in chapter 24, the disciples have been asking Jesus, they said, what will be the signs of your return? How will we know when you're coming again? And Jesus goes through a whole list of things, but in summary, he tells them, you will not know. You will not know. Everyone will be getting on with their lives. Two men will be over here working in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be working over here at a ham mill. One will be taken, and one other will be left. Christ will return when no one expects it. He will come like a thief in the night. And in this parable this morning, the emphasis is basically you don't know when the bridegroom will come, so be ready and be prepared and don't presume anything. But the parable starts, and I must emphasize this, it starts with reference to the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like the king, namely Jesus Christ, who is the very centerpiece, the center of the kingdom. He is about to get married. He's the bridegroom. He's the bridegroom. And those who will help serve at the wedding, they're called virgins. It simply means young women who are not yet married. And they've all got a responsibility. They've all got a job to do. All 10 of them were told, go out to meet the bridegroom. Go and do your job. And from what we know of first century Jewish marriage uh, customs, the groom would leave his house, and he would journey down to the bride's house. And it was usually in the bride's house where the ceremony would take place. And then when that was done, they would all march up, and all the guests would march up then into the groom's house where they'd have a wedding feast. And that that was the main custom. And uh, sometimes they just didn't know when the bridegroom was going to actually come out of his house. So sometimes it could be very early, sometimes it could be late, and therefore the woman, the bridesmaids, all needed these lamps because if he came late they'd need to light up the path down to the bride's house and back up again, so hence the lamps. But the ten bridesmaids, Jesus says, took their lamps. says they took their lamps and they went out to meet the bridegroom. Now, this was obviously an act of obedience. All of the bridesmaids, as they do, they have a part to play in the wedding and most likely, as I've said, providing the light. And there was a possibility that if this, they would need the lamps if this ceremony took place after sunset. So they'd need their lamps to light up the road. But it all depends, it all comes down to how long is the bridegroom gonna be? And no one knows. No one knows. And in our culture, it's usually the bride who's late. But in this case, it's the bridegroom. It's down to the bridegroom. He has to make sure he has everything ready for the reception in his home. Okay, so maybe it depends upon how clean his house is. He has to tidy his house, clean his house, make sure all the food is ready for the reception before he can actually then step out. And when the time is right, he steps out of his own home and he journeys down to meet the bride and to commit his life over into a relationship which is going to last uh, to the to the end and uh, but the first point that Jesus is teaching us in this parable is that it's pointless to try and work out when Jesus will come when the bridegroom will come he may come early he may come late we don't know the timetable hasn't been printed yet when will he come? And on this occasion, Jesus tells us that the bridegroom was a long time coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Like any bridesmaid loves to do their job. They're, they're privileged to be asked. They're chuffed to be asked. They want to do their job, and they're, they're not going to abandon the responsibility of look at doing, fulfilling their responsibility unless... The the waiting time is so incredibly long, and it has been on this occasion. So long, we're told, that they fall asleep, that they fall asleep. Um, You know, weddings can be very unpredictable. I, I was best man for a friend who lives in England, and the wedding ceremony, it went really well. We got into the wedding cars. And he and his bride um, were in a lovely cream-coloured Rolls-Royce. Beautiful. And we went to a park to get some photographs taken. And as the Rolls-Royce was just driving into the park, it broke down. So there were all of the photographs were being taken. My friend was smiling with his lovely wife. And, and I was on the phone trying to find a mechanic in Lancaster. But so many things—you <laughs> better not reading about it. So many things can happen to knock the schedule off. Uh, you know, so it's, it's difficult. And preparation is needed to ensure that everything goes well. And even if you put so much preparation into a wedding, it doesn't guarantee that it's going to be perfect. And the bridegroom in this parable—he's late. He's late. And here they fall asleep. It's been a long wait. They come probably to believe he'll not come now. It's too late. He's not going to come after midnight. He's not going to come after sunset. He'll leave it till tomorrow. We can have a bit of a sleep. And, uh, and as they're fast asleep, there's a loud cry in verse 6. It says, Here's the bridegroom come out to meet him. So they're lying there, sleeping, dozing away, snoring, and suddenly they hear somebody saying, Here he comes, he's coming. And they're, they're up and they're bleary eyed and they're, they're wiping the sleep out of their eyes and they're panicking. And they, they grab their lamps, Where's my lamp? Where's my lamp? And then grab their lamps and start to trim their lamps. Now, when using an oil lamp, you trim the wick so that when you light it, the flame will be clear and nice and bright. An untrimmed wick is dim and sometimes smoky. And if you want a nice bright flame, you trim the wick. But there's a problem. There's a big problem because five of the bridesmaids didn't have the foresight to prepare, their oil has run down. And no matter how well they trim their lamps, no matter how well they trim the wick, it's going to go out because they don't have enough oil. And they start to panic. They don't have any extra oil. How can they light the way for the bridegroom down to the bride's house? It's a massive, massive mistake. A lack of preparation. Ten bridesmaids, five foolish Five wise. The difference between them is their preparedness of the wise ones and the lack of preparedness in the foolish ones. Being prepared or being unprepared for the unexpected. And the wise, they took their flasks of oil with their lamps, the foolish didn't. And Jesus, in this parable, he is emphasizing be prepared. "'Be watchful. Watch for my return. Watch for my coming.'" Look in his gospel, he describes Jesus giving the order, "'Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning.'" That's what he, that's Jesus' order to the disciples. "'Be dressed, be ready for service, and keep your lamps burning.'" Be prepared. Two men will be working in a field, one will be taken, the other will be left. Two women over here working on a handmill, one will be taken, the other will be left. Matthew twenty four, thirty six, Jesus emphasizes concerning the day and the hour that I come, no one knows. Only the Father. So the wise virgins or bridesmaids, they symbolize the the true followers of Jesus Christ, the ones who've been prepared for his coming, the ones who've persevered through the hard times. Five wise virgins preparing for the coming of the bridegroom, and due to such preparedness, due to such care, due to such, such foresight for the future, They're granted entrance into the marriage feast, into the kingdom of God. And that's what we're told in verse ten. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet. They went in. They went in. But there's such a panic. Such panic isn't a strong enough word for those other five virgins. They've been waiting for this time to be bridesmaids, and suddenly they've run out of oil, and they're panicking. And they run down to the local market to get some oil, but while they're gone, by the time they come back, we're told the door was shut. It sounds so final. They've missed the train. Their opportunities passed. The door shut. It's so final. You know, I said last week that when it comes to the time that we pass from this mortal world, you either go with Christ or you go without him. There's no in between. There's no in between. And they find that when they got back the door was shut. So near, yet so far, far. I find this one of the saddest parables of Jesus. There are several colourful descriptions of heaven and hell in the New Testament. In fact, Jesus speaks more about hell than he does about heaven, but there are several colourful descriptions of both in the New Testament. Perhaps the most powerful image of heaven is to be found in 1 Thessalonians 4.17, where Paul writes concerning the follower of Jesus Christ, and so we will be with the Lord forever. So will we will be into his presence. We'll be with the Lord forever. And probably the most powerful image of hell in the New Testament is in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 9 And it's concerning those who reject Christ. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They will be punished with everlasting destruction. And this is the little sentence here. Shut out. Shut out from the presence of the Lord. The five wise prepared. They prepared in the present tense for something they knew was coming. They prepared for the future. But the foolish woman they only live for the moment. They only live for today. They failed to prepare. And, and Jesus in Luke 12, he tells a, 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 a parable of the rich fool. I'm sure you know that parable as well. He, he speaks of, of a hard-working farmer. He's really hard-working. He's really good at his job. And he's got a harvest coming up and he decides, I'm getting near retirement age. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to make bigger barns and I'm going to bring a bigger harvest in so that I can sit back and enjoy my retirement. There's not a problem with any of that. God likes people to work hard. God's not against an advancing blessing in business. God's not against any of those things. But the problem was... He didn't include God anywhere in his plans, either in the present or in the future. He built bigger barns so that when the time came, he could retire and enjoy the harvest. No harm in that, but God wasn't anywhere in his plans. He settled down to enjoy his retirement, and God comes knocking on his door. And he says, you fool, you fool. This night your soul will be required of you. It thought of God in this life. Sorry, he had no thought of God in this life. No thought of God in this life whatsoever. And now God has no thought of him in his death Sad. These foolish women, they wanted to borrow oil from the woman who had brought extra. You know, they were saying, please give us some. They're going, well, we might not have enough if we give you some. They wanted to go through on someone else's push. They wanted to go through on someone else's swing. You know, it's good to have people around you. It's good to have the support and the help in so many different things. But when it comes to our own salvation, it's down to our own responsibility. We can't go through on someone else's swing. Jesus places that individual responsibility upon us. And that's what he's saying with these women. You can't have that oil. You can't take that oil. Those bridesmaids need that oil. You go through. It's your responsibility to be prepared about where you're going to spend eternity. That's laid on us. It's our responsibility. You know, when you stand before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, Jesus is saying here, you're on your own. You're on your own. You can't depend on anybody else apart from Christ. But if you don't have Christ, you're on your own. You can know Christ now as your Savior, and it's lovely to know him. It's lovely to have him as Savior and a friend, as Lord in your life. Or you can know him then when the door is shut and he's your judge. And he's saying, I don't know you." Those are the saddest words you could ever hear from Jesus. I don't know yet. You know, the wise women, they get prepared. They prepare now for what's ahead. The foolish woman, for whatever reason, they didn't prepare. I'm sure Jesus heard many excuses in his life. In his time, you know, I didn't have the time. I didn't know I needed to. I always meant to, but I just didn't get around to it. No excuse will stand. Nothing lasts in this life except the grace of God by which we stand. And his grace in your life is the only thing that will stand that day. And to receive that grace, you need to receive Christ, who is the grace giver. You receive it now in this present life. Because when this life is over, if you haven't, you're on your own and the door is shut. You know, and prepare now. Make preparations now as to where you will choose to spend eternity. To do nothing is to find yourself in the position of these five bridesmaids who haven't got the extra oil to do nothing is like them and they're stuck and they're panic stricken and they don't know what to do his presence will be all you have of any value when the time comes to leave this world and go into eternity if you don't have his presence you're on your own What a sad picture in this parable as these women, they run back to find that the gate is shut. You know, can you imagine it? They come, they're hammering at the door and they're shouting in desperation, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. They're panicking, they're crying, they're yelling, they're screaming. They come back presuming that they will get in. Gentle Jesus, he's making mild will surely let us in. They come back presuming that the gentle Jesus of Christmas Day, the harmless, non-threatening Jesus who loves everyone, will surely open the door for us. Lord, Lord, open the door for us. Open the door for us. But the bridegroom shouts back through the door, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. And the door remains shut too late, too late, too late. Their SOS call has fallen on deaf ears. I wonder, am I speaking to someone this morning? And you're in that spot where you don't have any extra oil. You're living your life well, and you have enough oil for the moment. And you're quite enjoying your life, and you're being successful and doing well. But you have no extra oil for eternity because you don't have Christ. You know, we're very serious when it comes to insurance policies, aren't we? We insure our cars, and we insure our homes, we insure all the contents of our homes, we insure our lives so that when we die, our, our family are our, our cared for. But what about our life insurance policy for where you spend eternity? Jesus Christ is the only life insurance policy for eternity. He said, I am the way. I am the way. There is no other way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no woman comes to the Father except through me. I wonder, are you presuming upon the kindness of the bridegroom? We often emphasize on the love of God. Oh, he's, the, he's going to love me anyway. You know, he'll understand. He'll let me in at some point. The somber question is, are you presuming upon the kindness of the bridegroom? You know, there's a time for everything under the sun. Solomon says that. A time for grace. And there's a time for God's judgment. There's a time for repentance, the thief upon the cross, and there's a time for too late repentance, which we see with the five silly bridesmaids. And Jesus finishes this parable with verse 13. He says, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Remind you of the previous chapter just before I close, and remind you of the previous chapter where Jesus says that everyone will be getting on with their own lives. Two men over here working on a field, one's taken, one's left. Two women over here working on a handmill, one's taken, one's left. Christ will return when no one expects it. I will come as a thief in the night, he says. Well, I close with a song written by an African-American slave. In their days of suffering, when they were forced to pick cotton in the fields as slaves, You know, they seemed so prepared, so full of faith, some of them, for Christ's return. And this song was written by one slave. I'm not going to sing it, but I'll read it to you. Uh, But one slave, he sings, There's a king in Captain High, and he's coming by and by, and he'll find me, hoeing Cotton, when he comes. You can hear his legions charging in the regions of the sky, and he'll find, he'll, he'll find me home cotton when he comes. He's a man they thrust aside who was tortured till he died, and he'll find me home cotton when he comes. He was hated and rejected. He was scorned and crucified. And he'll find me hoeing cotton when he comes, when he comes, when he comes. He'll be crowned by saints and angels when he comes. They'll be shouting out, Hosanna, to the man that men denied. And I'll kneel among my cotton when he comes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for sending Jesus because without him, we're lost. Without him, the door's shut, and it won't be opening. He's the only entrance in. He's the one that saves us when we can't save ourselves. He's the one that leads us and gives us salvation when we're lost. And Lord, all of us are lost without your Son. And it was a big thing for him to give his own life, that he would take the punishment in our place, that simply in our connection with him and given our lives to him, we find that grace from you. We find that salvation. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for the Holy Spirit who makes it real to us, who takes it and burns it in our hearts. May it always burn in our hearts. Every day, whether we are feeling good or not, no matter what way we're feeling, may the gospel burn in our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. And would I just, can I just invite anyone who would like me to speak to them about anything I've been talking about? You know, I am a sinner saved by grace. And there's no shame for anybody to come to me and say, Mark, I want that. I want that. Because every single person that's come to faith in Christ is a sinner saved by grace. So if you want to talk to me, I don't want you to feel embarrassed or anything. I'm happy to lead you to Christ. I'd be overjoyed to lead you to Christ. Don't delay. Be prepared. I'm going to finish just, uh, I've gone on enough, but I've, I looked up, we're going to sing an old hymn. It's called Rock of Ages. And I was reading about this hymn. One day, this, this guy, Reverend August Toplady, top I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, but one day he was traveling through the English countryside when a sudden fierce storm sent him scurrying for shelter. And he found it near, nearby in the cleft of a rock. And the wind and the rain was hurtling past him. And it's while he was in that cleft of the rock, he, he writes, he wrote, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. And later in an article for the, the Gospel magazine, he compared the sins of the average individual to the national debt of England. He calculated that a 50-year-old man in his lifetime would be guilty of 1,576,800,000 sins. No one could pay for that debt, only Jesus Christ. He is the cleft of the rock that protects us from God's judgment that we deserve. And he writes thou must save and thou alone nothing in my hand i bring simply simply to Thy cross i cling let's stand and sing rock of ages <clears throat> may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which are all ours, be with us all forevermore. Amen.